We're excited to continue our partnership with the Spice and Tea Exchange of Greenville. If you have not been down to the Spice and Tea Exchange on Main Street, you need to head in there. They've got a wide array of spices, loose leaf teas, seasoning blends, sugar, salts, and so much more from all over the globe. You're encouraged to come in, explore the shop, open jars, smell them, make sure you're going to like what you're getting. It's great for people who like tea. It's great for people who love cooking. Their staff is incredibly knowledgeable. Hey, and mention you heard it on the podcast and you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. The Spice and Tea Exchange of Greenville, partners of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Yeah, That Soccer Show is proud to be a part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Go check out all the great coverage of soccer in the Carolinas at soccer, the letter N, sweettea.com. This is Yeah, That Soccer Show. Your one-stop shop for all your soccer coverage in Greenville and the upstate. We want this show to be driven by you, so make sure you send us an email at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at YTSS Podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 52 of Yeah, That Soccer Show. Excited to be back with you once again to look back on week three of the Greenville Triumphs inaugural run in USL League One and look ahead to week four. This will be coming up the third game of the team's first ever homestand, and they're looking to go 3-0 and on this, this group of games. And so before we get into looking ahead, let's look back at last Saturday, the Greenville Triumph welcomed Chattanooga Red Wolves SC into Legacy Early College and walked away with a 1-0 victory. But this match was not without controversy. There was a disallowed goal early in the match around the 10th minute by Carlos Gomez, who came in, made, made a lot happen there, dribbled through, a lot of passing in between a shot through to Carlos Keegan was there in the area may have been offside. Jake Keegan may have been offside. He didn't touch the ball. It doesn't seem like, and Carlos Gomez finishes up with a goal that is allowed. And then after some conversation between the center referee and the assistant referee over on the right hand side, the goal is then disallowed for an offside decision something that Coach Harks would not be happy about. And he would uh, he would voice that with the center referee, the fourth official, the AR, and even in the post game, asked him about that. You'll be able to hear those comments here in just a bit. But that was, uh, that was the first. You kind of felt like maybe you were hoping that was not a sign of things to come for the match because up to that point, 10 minutes in, Greenville had absolutely dominated the match. And that's a big gut punch. It's a big gut punch to have uh, that kind of momentum and you build up and you score right in front of the supporters and to have it wiped off that early, it just didn't, it didn't feel great. And you wondered how the guys would respond. Well, unquestionably, 
They didn't let it phase them. They pressed on. They continued to dominate the game at that point. Uh, and then in the second half, it was a little bit later in the match than maybe I think some of us would have hoped for in the 74th minute. Again, Carlos Gomez making things happen, brings it up on that right wing, crosses it into the box, and then Jake Keegan, the guy I've been calling for all season to be right there in that number nine position. He said last week on this program he he feels like he's a striker. He wants to be a striker, and you saw the reason why. He's a finisher. He finished that chance as Gomez crossed it into him, 74th minute. It was the only goal in the match, but it was the only one that the Triumph needed to walk away with three points and launch themselves into a playoff spot currently. They're in fourth place in the league, tied on points there with six on the year. So, you know, they're they're looking good so far. Uh, but it, it was a fun match. It was a great match. If you weren't able to make it out, I know the crowd was not quite as hefty as it was in week one. Part of that probably has to do with spring break. Uh, but I hope you can come out uh, to to the game this week because there's a lot of promotions going on. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but you really missed a good match. This was a, this was a great one to check out. And we're going to look at what looked good and maybe maybe something that could still need improving on. And then uh, and then hear from uh, Coach John Harks and Dallas Jay here in just a bit. First, let's look at. What looked good for the Triumph in this match? So the first thing I want to talk about that I thought was a tremendous high point for the Triumph this week was the return to the high press. You know, they played this. We we talked about it last week. They played the high press against Lansing. It looked really good. I expected Coach Harks to make some adjustments here without Cole Seiler. I thought you would see maybe more of a defensive style, maybe even potentially looking to play on the counterattack, but uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and this is why this is why Coach Harks is who he is and why he gets paid the big bucks because he obviously saw something and knew that with Chattanooga, the way they play defensively, the way they look to counterattack, he wanted to press them hard all match. Triumph had 60% possession, nearly 60% for the entire match. They had, uh, if you look at the average position, the stats, if you haven't been over to USL League 1's website to look at the stats for the games in the match center, there is really some impressive stuff over there. But you can one of the things you can look at is average position of the player, meaning based on where they're at throughout the match, kind of their average positioning on the pitch. And if you looked at the average position for the Triumph players, 6 of the 11, and that includes goalkeeper Dallas J, 6 out of 11 were at either midfield or or higher. So a lot of guys just constantly hanging out on the Red Wolves end of the field looked really good. And I will say that Evan Lee stepped up in a big way with Cole out. Kevin Pollitz looked really good. Um, and then obviously sliding in Dominic Bolin there on the outside back uh, was a good fit. That was – you didn't – didn't feel like it dropped off a ton, although, you know, obviously Cole Siler's a great center back, but uh, it, it didn't feel like as big of a step back as I thought it might be. So the second thing I want to talk about that I really was impressed with, and, and going back to those guys, Evan and Kevin, Evan and Kevin, I like it, uh, the, was the counterattack defense. This was a big area of concern going into this match. This was the only way that the team had conceded goals in the first two games 
And Chattanooga plays counterattacking ball. That's their whole philosophy. Like, let's sit back, let's hunker down, and then let's spring the counterattack and find our goals that way. Well, Evan Lee stepped up, like I said, and then Kevin Pollitz, to me, was the one, as he slid in from the right, kind of that right wing back into a central defender position, he really, really impressed me with the counterattack defense. He was able to stop a lot of things from breaking. He was able to get a body on Amon Zayed, who is a, a big guy and a very, very experienced pro in, uh, in the USL system. And so it was kind of really, it was really cool to see Kevin step up and have a heck of a game there at center back. Uh, the third thing I want to highlight for the team from this game was the attacking midfield. Now, for me, I think uh, we've talked all season about how great the defense is. We've talked about the attack being pretty strong with uh, Bermudez and Gomez and and even uh, Jake Keegan out there. And maybe, you know, we, we talked about the attack maybe just struggling a little bit for finishing. I think that's starting to get worked out. The midfield to me has been the place where we've been the most bogged down. You've got some good def- center or some good defensive midfielders in there with uh, Aaron Walker and Paul Klaus, but the attacking mids have kind of been hit or miss. Uh, we talked a little bit about Bermudez holding the ball a little bit too long. I've certainly given him plenty of praise, but he has he has had that issue a little bit early on in the season. It seems like he's getting better at that. I think this game really impressed me. Again, he's out on that left wing as opposed to the right wing. With Robinson in, when Bermudez was on the left, I kind of felt like it was better for them to flip-flop, to put Robinson over the left and Bermudez over the right. And this game, they came out, Bermudez is on the left. Travis Ward gets his first start out on the right. Again, I kind of, early on, I was like, man, Bermudez is so good on this right side. I want to see him flipped over. But Travis Ward was doing some amazing things. He really had his defender's number. He was bodying him off the ball. He was getting a couple of really good dribbles to set up some offensive attack. And once they did flip them around, they they switched Bermudez and Ward kind of at the first of the second half, first part of the second half. And they didn't stay that way for very long before they switched them back because Travis really was doing a great job out there on the right side. And then Carlos Gomez can't say enough about this guy had a, a, a big time assist. I mean, he essentially made that goal happen. And then we talked about it a little earlier, had the goal that got called back. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the offside call. I mean, I think in, in replay and in hearing kind of the gripes about it, I, I get why it wasn't offside. Carlos was himself, not offside. Jake, I don't think hit the ball. And so he was, shouldn't have affected the play, but he's right there. He does. Jake does take a swing at the ball. And I don't know if, again, I can't tell if he was offside even anyway, but it was pretty close. And if he was offside and then he takes a swing at the ball, even if he doesn't hit it, you know, it's easy for us to look in really super slow-mo and replay and different angles I don't give the ref too much of a hard time over that. Obviously, like I think, I think it was a good goal because I don't think Jake touched it. But uh, you know, if he thought he touched it and he thought, or he thought he impacted the play and thought he was offside, then okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill him over it. I mean, it, it was unfortunate, but that it is what it is. Uh, here's the thing that I think needs a little improvement. The only thing I could really come up with because really Greenville looked so good during this match and the triumph looked prepared and. 
honestly a little disappointed with Chattanooga. I don't think Chattanooga looks like a great team yet. And they could, they still have plenty of time, plenty of season to grow. But as I stood behind the goal in the second half, they seem to be really chippy with one another. They don't have a lot of team chemistry. Their goalkeepers chewing out their back line, their back lines chewing out their midfielders. They just seem to kind of be, I don't know, they have this harshness to them that I think is, is affecting their play. So we'll see how they develop throughout the season. But for Greenville, and this is something we've talked about, team depth. I think uh, I think this is something where the team still needs to improve. They They need to add some numbers. They need to bulk up. And I actually asked Coach Harks about this. We'll get to those comments here in just a moment. Um, but I think it's something that they're looking at. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks and, and when we get an answer on that. Now, my man of the match. Listen, I could easily give this to Carlos Gomez. He probably justifi- justifiably could have it. You could easily think to give it to Dallas J. First clean sheet in team history. But for me... I was sitting on the where the stands. I was sitting in the stands on the first half, and that right side of the attack was on that sideline. And I was watching Travis Ward, and he just he just blew me away. He blew me away to be his first start. Um, he, you know, like I said, he, he was very physical. He was creating attacks. He was bodying his defender off of him. And I just think he deserved a shout. So he is my man of the match for the 1-0 victory over Chattanooga. Now, we're going to take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor. And then we're going to come back and hear from Coach John Harks and goalkeeper Dallas J. post-match comments uh, right after this short break. So in the post-match, we got to talk first with goalkeeper Dallas J. First up, we asked Dallas about the first shutout in team history and what he thought about the performance. Uh, I mean, it was a uh, it started on Monday. It started this week in training. Um, a lot of focus on how we were going to defend against a good Chattanooga team. Um, so a lot of things we tweaked during the week to make sure we were we were ready to go for tonight. And I thought the boys the boys in front of me battled, making unbelievable de- defensive plays um, in order to secure that that clean sheet. Um, I was fortunate the few times they did break through, I was able to, uh, to, to get in the way and, and secure, the, uh, secure the clean sheet for us. So I, I'm hoping it's one of many going forward. Uh, after answering the first question, Dallas jumped in wanting to talk about Tiger Woods. Now, you got to remember, this is Saturday night. This is going into Sunday at the Masters. Dallas didn't know what would ultimately happen with Tiger winning, but he wanted to talk about Tiger Woods. Oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for the red shirt. I can't wait for for Master Sunday. I heard they're moving it up because of weather, but I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do what we've all been waiting for him to do. Dallas was asked how he feels about being uh, eye candy for some of the female Triumph fans. Uh, very appreciative. Um, I like to think we have a, a good-looking team across the board. Uh, I don't know if that helps with the whole soccer aspect, but we'll take it. Next up, we got to talk to head coach John Harks. The first question I asked him was to fill us in on the explanation he was given about the offside goal. Um, the, the first um, communication with me was from the AR, and he said that the referee called it. Um, but I said, but how did he call it? Because he's asking you questions. So I was just trying to get a clarification. Um, and the first thing that they said was that Jake Keegan was too close to the goal scorer. 
and he was in an offside position, but I said, but he didn't benefit from being in that position, nor did we benefit from that position. It was a clear goal. And so, you know, we can argue all night, but it is what it is. Next, I asked Coach Harks about the team's intention to sign any more players to bulk up the roster. Well, yeah, I mean, I know my own plans, for sure. Okay. Yeah, we'll be adding players. Um, you know, it's important. <clears throat> we, uh, first off, believe in the guys that we have, um, you know, and when it makes sense, you know, from a not just an extra body, but from a character and from a tactical standpoint of adding the right guy. Um you know, we'll, we'll pull the trigger on that for sure. Yeah. Coach Harks was then asked about how he fights back against complacency after a win and pushes forward to keep the momentum rolling. Uh, that's the number one thing, Doug, that I'm focused on right now was the character, the grit, and determination to get through resilience like that. Two players suspended um, that started for us last week. We wanted to see other guys step up. And from a mentality standpoint, it was very strong tonight. And we took it to them. We dominated the game, which I knew we would. Um, They're experienced pros. I mean, I think their average age might be 28, maybe more. I don't know, but quality players like Beattie, you know, Eamon Zayed, you know, these are great players that have done very well at all levels. And so for us to rise to the occasion tonight, do extremely well, and also not just to be disappointed and hang our heads after the first goal going in being disallowed. So showing that, to me, means that our younger guys are growing up. It's only the second game at home, third of the season. Um, it's great to get a clean sheet. We talked about how important that is to not give up goals, and we corrected that tonight, and it was, it was done very well. Once again, a huge thank you to the Triumph and to Coach Harks and Dallas Jay for answering our questions post-match. We're going to take another quick break, and then we will be back to preview this weekend's game against the Richmond Kickers. Here at Yeah That Soccer Show, we're always excited to tell you about our sponsors so that you can support them because they support us and we're able to bring you the shows thanks to all of their generosity. And that includes Brad Butchkowski of the Wondercheck Realty Group. You can find him on social media at Brad Butchkowski, B-U-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I, or I am Brad B on Twitter. Or you can check out his website, brad.selling-greenville.com. That's Brad Butchkowski with the Wondercheck Realty Group. Welcome back to episode number 52. It's now time to look ahead to this Saturday's matchup, Saturday, April 20th at 7 p.m. at Legacy Early College. The Greenville Triumph welcome the Richmond Kickers. Coach Harks' boys are looking to go a perfect three for three and pick up a full nine points in this first ever homestand for the team. A couple things to watch for this week. Richmond is going to be without their captain, Maxi Rodriguez, who got a red card in last week's match against Lansing. He is a guy who is the engine for this kicker's team. I mean, he is really the guy responsible for the majority of their distribution up the middle. I think his absence is going to be a huge loss for the kickers and I think is going to play a major role in giving Greenville quite the leg up in this match. Number two, Greenville is up a defender and a forward Cole Seiler and Edmundo Robinson, both returning from suspension. Seiler will no doubt slide back into his starting role there at center back. 
Robinson might be more of a question mark. I think Travis Ward had a strong performance there last week. You've also got Chris Bermudez could flip over to the right. You could look to try and work uh, Cameron Saul into the starting lineup again. I don't know what the team's going to look like. Obviously, Coach Harks is breaking down the film this week of Richmond and trying to figure out what the best approach is for the team. But I think Siler's a, a lock to get back in there. I, I'm not sure, not as sure about Robinson, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him start either. Another thing to keep in mind, if you didn't come out last week or if you haven't been out to a match yet, the team is rolling out a couple of promotions this week. They're doing one for families, a, a four-pack, an Easter four-pack. They're doing a young professionals, uh, basically a ticket and beer ticket. They're doing $10 tickets for college students. I think that's a huge thing for folks coming back or leaving on spring break. And the team is also hosting a pre-match Easter egg hunt at the Fan Fest Village. I'm not exactly sure what they call it um, for kids ages 12 and below, I believe. Um, but go over to GreenvilleTriumph.com. You can check out all the uh, really cool things they've got going on there. I do know that I think the promos are... You have to buy your tickets ahead of time. So don't wait and try to show up the day of and buy those promotions. You got to do it ahead of time. A couple key players for Richmond this week. We talked about Maxi Rodriguez being out. So here are the guys I think are going to step in and be the ones we need to watch. Number 10, Joe Gallardo, the forward for the kickers. He is going to be the guy that can score goals. Uh, he's near the top of the league in chances created. He's got six on the season. I think uh, I think Richmond's going to struggle a bit defensively this week, and if they're going to have a chance, then Joe Gallardo has got to be a force for them. Uh, we'll see how he matches up against the vaunted Triumph defense. Wahab Akwe, number 18, is a defender. He is fifth in the league in passing with 179 passes on the season and third in clearances with 13. His, uh, his guy, Maxi Rodriguez, the captain, is – fourth in the league in passing. So he's just ahead of Akway. I think with Maxi out, you'll see Akway have to step up and be more responsible for distributing the ball out of the back. Finally, the third player to watch is going to be number one goalkeeper, Akira Fitzgerald. Seems like every week with the triumph, the opposing goalkeeper has the game of their career. And if Richmond is going to be staying in this one, I think that is going to have to continue to be the case. Fitzgerald is a veteran keeper. He's been playing a long time. He played in the USL Championship with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. He played in the NASL with the Carolina Railhawks. Um, so he's going to have to have a big game. And don't be surprised if yet another goalkeeper who plays against the Triumph gets nominated for goal of the week. Because it seems like if you're if you're doing something to stop this offense, then uh, you've done something pretty special and you're getting nominated for for awards for that effort. So uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Kira Fitzgerald on that list next week. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, the take it to the bank guarantee prediction. On one hand, I'm kind of sad that Richmond won't have Maxi Rodriguez. I think this is a really intriguing matchup um, if both teams are at full strength. And we'll get to see it potentially later in the season, I think, uh, as long as everybody can stay out of trouble. Uh, but I think Rodriguez's absence is going to be huge for Greenville. I'm not sure how Richmond can cope and how they're going to be able to break through the defense without him because that's really where Greenville has been susceptible is up through the middle and letting the mid midfield kind of break down our defense. So I think without Rodriguez, it's going to be uh, – it's not going to look great for Richmond. Uh, Greenville's looked really good defensively the last couple weeks. 
since switching to the 4-3-3 and focusing on pressing up high, uh, they've looked good offensively, I should say, since making that switch and putting Jake Keegan centrally. Uh, and then Richmond this year has looked shaky at times on defense. They've got some good defenders, but they've also they've also not looked great every match. In fact, the first match of the season, they really looked pretty dreadful. I think you throw all those things in the in the mixture. You 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 have Richmond without their captain. They've had some shaky defense in the past. Greenville has really really improved offensively, and I think we got a comfortable win. I think we're gonna have our first multiple goal uh, deficit in this match, and I'm predicting a Greenville wick victory two nil over Richmond Kickers come Saturday night. Hey, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. And if you have questions, make sure you send those over to us at YTSS Podcast. You can email the show at yeahthatsoccershow at gmail.com. Go check out all the stuff we're doing over at gvlsoccer.com, writing up recaps and previews. And we just added Brittany Hildreth, our resident photographer, is going to be writing some pieces for the website. And I think there's some things she's got in the works that are going to be particularly appealing to our female fan base. So make sure you go check out all that stuff over there and we will catch you next week.